Hey, what's up, beautiful souls? Chad Hafler here with my brothers Eric Dixon and Jeremy Duncan, and we are Lights at the Roundtable. In this podcast, we're going to discuss a wide variety of things, ranging from spirituality and the metaphysics of reality to the psychological struggles that we face on a daily basis. So, we hope you enjoy. We're grateful you're here, and welcome to the Roundtable. Here's the hoping. Yep. Another uh, another learning episode. Yeah. So um, before we get started, Big John, I, whatever you're comfortable with, I know you and I have talked, but just so everybody's on the same page, um, just kind of the main overall talking point is obviously you and your story, uh, whatever you feel compelled to share, and then control. So it'll just be like a four-way conversation and our thoughts on control and how it plays into our life and whatnot. So. If if you feel like you're in a good place to talk about that, then I, we would love that. But we also understand that yeah. it's a heavy topic. So and we'll we'll chop it up, man. And we'll you know what I'm saying like we'll, we'll chop it up, and we'll um, you know if you want to circle back to it at the later end, like I'd like to talk about you know uh, you know the the suicide in my life and my family. So I think it'd be a great conversation to bounce some some stories off of, man. I think it's going to be yeah, awesome. No, so whatever I'm you feel compelled. To- yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to going into all of it. And yeah. I, uh, you know, out of respect for my family, I gave them phone calls and just made sure they were okay with me having conversations about it. And wow. They they were all overwhelmingly supportive and um, just said, hey, speak your truth. And, you yeah. know, we want our story to help other people. And so just put it out there and, um, you know, everything like that. So I full support, feel super comfortable doing it. And, grateful to share so other people hear it and hear some of your all struggles with it as well and you know hopefully come out learning learning a couple things and helping some other people out wow it's really beautiful brother wow really beautiful let's, let's go, go. What's up, beautiful souls? Chad Hafler here with my brothers Eric Dixon, yo, and Jeremy Duncan. What's up? And we want to welcome you back to another episode of Lights of the Roundtable. Tonight we have the honor of sharing the table and a beautiful light coming to the table to share his story. A brother of ours, uh, childhood friend, and just a beautiful man. So his name is John Walton. Welcome to the show, Big John. I'm so grateful you're here, brother. Thanks for having me. Thanks, guys, so much. Very much so. Appreciate it. Super excited. Absolutely, brother. It's it's an honor to have you on here, and um, I think that was a great idea, idea, Jeremy. Yeah. I I don't know where it came from, but. (laughs) Hey, man, I appreciate it. Like, I've been watching and listening to a couple episodes and just seeing the posts, and um, yeah, I think on one of the, your guys' uh, I don't know if 
Yeah. Um, like I said, real, real grateful for that. And Jeremy tuned in. <laughs> Jeremy was tuning in. Now you know where it came from. Yep. Energy was being stirred. <laughs> there it is. Energy was being stirred. How was your guys' day, Jeremy? Good. Mm. Uh, work slow, so it dragged yeah. out forever. So excited to do the podcast. Yeah. It's been a long day. <laughs> ready to ready to be here. <laughs> Absolutely. Ready to unload. Yeah, I feel like the overcast always adds to that feeling too. It's like, yeah. oh my gosh. What, what about you, E? Dude, it was a it was a good day, man. Stay productive at work. Put in some more miles on the uh, the pavement. We are super close to the eight hundred. So seven seven seventy four is what we're at right now. My man. Yeah. Um. So that was good. Just put in some consistent work today. Um. What else? Man, I was so something that I do every day that I you know, thought very little about happened today. But every day when I'm at work, I tend to do a lot of rolling around in my desk. Like, um, I have a rolly chair. And so I roll around, just kind of move as I'm working. And today I was, um, I did the same movement that I always do, but this time it like grabbed my leg a little bit and pinched it. Mm -hmm. And I was like, shit, like, like, and it just, you know, I do it every day, multiple times a day. And then just for some reason, it happened today. I was like, shit, man. And it just like stuck with me all day. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't know why or what happened, but yeah, it just stuck with me a little bit. So it's kind of strange. Maybe it's your leg saying, Hey, take a day off. It will be. <laughs> Tomorrow will be that day off. I, I know you're a good listener, brother. Yeah. You're a good listener. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Hey, but the next one will be longer, though. So. There you go. Yeah. Just getting started. Yeah, man. It was a, it was a powerful day, man. That's what's you? up. Uh, it was a good day, man. I got my CBT workbooks in. So, John, uh, last episode we talked about, I ordered some cognitive behavioral therapy books for the kids that I work with, the juvenile courts, and they came in today. So, it's really exciting. I, I laid out kind of the first lesson plan I'm going to do with them regarding anger. <laughs> So that's um, sweet. It's a good day. And then I came home and worked with Aubrey in her workbook and uh, did some breathing exercises with Aubrey. And here I am. Good day. It's a good day. So, so to get into this episode, we're going to touch on control. But before that, we want to give the opportunity for John to share his inspiring and um, just empowering truth his story and it's it's a beautiful one and i'm grateful to have got to witness it in the front row so uh john if you would just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself whatever you're inclined to share and we'll go from there brother yeah man absolutely thanks again guys for having me on and um obviously we've all known each other for you know some time now and um but i think it's always you know a very good thing to share a story and um for myself and, and just for others to hear things sometimes we can feel like we're a little siloed or no one's shared similar experiences and maybe we've been through some tough things and, you know, feel like people can't relate. So, um, and we were talking a little bit before this that, um, you know, I have some things in my past that I'm more than happy to share and, you know, add to you guys. Um, and just knowing that there's folks out there that are willing to listen uh, and give the space to do so and just a non-judgmental way is awesome. So, um, just wanted to say that before I got into it. Um, it's beautiful. 
Alabama, obviously. Grew up around Lebanon. Grew up in Middletown. Um, uh, technically, when I went to Lebanon schools with all you fine fellows, and uh, you know, we grew up. You know, we grew up pretty good, really. My dad worked his butt off to to get out of his you know situation growing up, and uh, my mom did tons of stuff for us as a as just an amazing mom. You know, my dad was self employed, so she worked at the schools for insurance and drove a bus and was a library assistant. And, huh. You know, all different things, you know, kind of kind of all the way through. So a real popular mom with all the kids and everything like that. Yeah. And, you know, I guess there wasn't too much, uh, there wasn't too much adversity, you know, growing up at first. Like, my dad was super strict, and he expected a lot out of us and expected us to do chores and, you know, taught us work ethic and everything like that. Um, mom always had us in sports, just constantly busy with different sports, whether it be with Lebanon. Um, Monroe, I played soccer through, through Monroe leagues and played baseball on Middletown teams growing up. And so that was always a big part of my life and continued to be through high school and, um, fortunate enough to even, even carry on, um, one sport being discus in college, uh, over at OU. And, um, yeah, that's always been a big part of, of my life in general. And between that and my dad and mom, you know, I think just instilled a lot of who I am today, you know, work ethic wise and attitude wise and not getting knocked down without getting back up, you know, all, all the different things and the valuable lessons that those things can teach you. Um, so, you know, things were moving right along um, through high school, graduated, uh, didn't exactly know what I was going to do, went to college the first two years uh, for engineering because like I thought I was good at math and then uh, you know, freshman year, <laughs> very quickly realized that I was not, like, like calculus, ah, yes, things, things on the chalkboard. Uh, so after like two years, I was like, this is ridiculous. And it came with a business minor. I switched over to business, you know, and, and graduated with a marketing degree, which was definitely more up my alley. And I've been in similar fields since, sales roles and uh, account management roles, companies I've worked for and, and everything like that. So, um, but I think, uh, well, definitely, I know, you know, the, uh, the biggest kind of adverse event uh, of my life came in college uh, with my father who uh, committed suicide. Um, and it's been, it's been 13 years since it happened, 13 years and a couple months. And, uh, man, it was just, uh, <laughs> you know, a total, a total shock and, um, a, a tough thing to go through, a uh, really tough thing to go through, and, and sometimes it continues to still be. Um, but basically it was, uh, and I, I can go into some of it for you guys, obviously. Um, Whatever you're comfortable to, to with. Focus. Yeah, for sure. And I wanted to, to really focus on this part of it just because I think if, you know, if we can draw a lot from this and you guys have similar stories and, you know. Um, John, were you, obviously, John, were you and your dad close? We were, uh, we were, we did a lot of stuff together, but we butted heads a lot, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah, so absolutely. we had sim, we had similar, uh, similar interests, scuba diving, vacationing, outdoors, you know, things like that. We'd go on trips. He'd always take us on trips. You know, he did a lot for the family, which we're, we're super grateful for, but, um, you know, maybe wasn't always the, the most emotionally you know, supportive or supportive of ideas that were outside of what he thought should happen. Um, so there, there was a little, a, a little, uh, give and take there, you know? 
I, the best way to highlight it is, you know, I he was happy that I I went to college and got a, a partial scholarship for track and everything like that. Um, but I remember when I was kind of teetering on um, whether to go to college or whether to go into, into a trade, like uh, he didn't in air conditioning like he did get his business. And I think ultimately he wanted me to take that business over, you know. Um, and at one point, I thought that I was going to go to trade school. And I came in the basement, he was working on a project in the basement. And I told him that I think I was going to go to trade school. And I, I don't think I've ever seen him so happy in his entire life. He came over and gave me the biggest bear hug you could possibly imagine and was just absolutely out of this world happy, you know, <clears throat> which it kind of made me happy, but it, but it really kind of rubbed me the wrong way, you know, um, yeah. because this whole time, like I, I was kind of doing it reluctantly and I really had more aspiration to do something else that, that wasn't supported as much. So that it, there was just little things like that. Right. Um, but, you know, looking back, I mean, there's nothing I don't love about the guy. And if I can have him back, you know, I'd take him back in an instant, you know. Yeah, but there's, yeah. there was a give and take. So um, he grew up a really, really rough childhood. Abusive relationship between his mother and his father. I think when he was 10 or 11, um, his dad uh, attacked, you know, my grandma. So my, my grandpa attacked you know, my grandma with him in the room stabbed her, you know, a bunch of times and, uh, and she survived, you know, but, but he witnessed that and, and was part of that. And there's, there's, you know, more stories to tell that I won't go into there, but there's just really rough. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had to work out of, you know, that life and he was super determined to work out of that life. Uh, very strong work ethic, ethic did everything possible to make a buck get himself out to get himself in trade school and, and, and off to a better life and, and ultimately to try to provide a better life for his family. Um, his dad also went to, uh, was in prison, you know, for a while and, and his dad actually, uh, did the same thing. He committed suicide when he was in jail, he jumped out of a jail window and that was when my dad was, was very young as well. So, you know, he, he carried a lot of trauma, uh, with him from, from his, you, you know, those mm-hmm. are the two big ones that I know about, uh, and I'm sure there's more that maybe I don't even know about. Um, <clears throat> he, he bottled it all up. He never talked about anything. Um, I apologize to my mom if I get this wrong, but I, I believe that she maybe didn't even know about some of that stuff until after they were married. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how little he would open up about that stuff. He just tried to put it in his past, bury it move on, whether that was out of shame or guilt or embarrassment or whatever that may have been. Um, and just accepted God. God got way into church, raised us in church. You know, things were going good. He was a, a, the biggest success story of Middletown for people that knew him because a lot of people knew where he came from and saw what he was building and saw what he did for his family. Uh, but, you know, always creeping in the background of, of the, the vibrant man that he was. I, I know that some of you have had encounters with him, yeah. you know, before growing up, just would light up a room. Oh, super always happy had a joke. Dude. Right. Always had a joke, right? Like, oh, you walk in, he just always had something. You'd yeah. stick on you. He'd do, right, all that stuff. Like, no one didn't like my dad. Right. Um, always had a video game in his hand, like, just a, did a bunch of stuff, right? Um, but that, uh, you know, that stuff ended up really eating at him, and he also carried a lot of depression, um, a lot of, you know, mood disorder just in general, you know, with him along that whole way. And we didn't see the last few years. I was off of college. Um, you know, my mom said those were, those 
first few years. Um, he started introducing some alcohol, you know, back into his life, and, and that kind of got a hold of him. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a major issue. Um, what, what ultimately kind of started, started exasperating those mood swings was he was uh, prescribed a steroid, you know, shot mm-hmm. that he would get uh, for depression. I, I don't know what it was or anything like that. It's not important, I guess. But, you know, obviously a lot of these stress responses, you know, come from like the, the HPA axis, like the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis that mm-hmm. releases cortisol. So he's getting additional, you know, cortisol right. steroid shots injected in him that are just, just if, he, if, if his cortisol level was already off, it, it became way off, mm-hmm. you know. And he started upping that dose. Uh, both in the amount he would take and how often he'd go back. And, um, you know, that led to the night that everything happened where, you know, he, he would just go into a different reality of a mood swing. Like it just didn't make sense where his mind would go sometimes with my mom. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, he, he drank a bottle of wine, you know, that mixed with the steroid just gotten, uh, gotten a heck of a mood, uh, one night and, Thankfully, my mom's still around. You know, I won't go into all the details of, of what happened over that night, but you know, she she did fear for her life, and um, and she made it out safe from there. And what he ended up doing in our house was he set it on fire. Uh, you know, poured, poured gasoline all over, set it on fire, and then uh, went up to his bed and he shot himself. Um, and you know, I that I woke that was that was Super Bowl Sunday, uh, mm. two thousand eight. You know, Super Bowl Sunday. I was in college. You know, right. I was ready to get up, and you know, we were going to smoke a Super Bowl blunt for for the Super Bowl. You know, that morning <laughs> with all my friends in college, like that was my plan for the day. You know, and um, I uh, I received a message from him. I was asleep, and I didn't answer the phone. And I, I have at times carried guilt for that, but um, Do you I still? don't anymore. Good. I don't anymore. I uh, you know I. If your dad called you after a, a night out at 8.30 a.m., you know, it's no big deal just to call him back at, at 9.30 or 10 a.m. when you wake up. You know, right, at least right, that was the thought right. process there, you know. Sure, yeah. uh, But he left the message, and I listened to the message a little bit later, and the message didn't make any sense. You could tell that he was just completely out, you know, in, in some different realities. The things that he said just didn't, they just didn't make sense. Um, but he said he loved me, and... Um, I think he said he was sorry, you know, or, or something like that. So that was that was an odd thing. And, and shortly after that, his sister called and said, "Hey, you know, there's fire. You need to come home, like quick." And so, you know, I got out of bed and I and I sped home. And when I got to the scene, obviously the house is on fire. And then, you know, I was didn't want to believe what happened, and so, you know, I was looking around for him and seeing if he was anywhere in the yard or you know, anything like that. And finally asked my uncle Eric, you know, if, if my dad was in there and, you know, he said, yeah. And, uh, and then that, you know, that changed all of our lives forever. Mm. And, you know, we, uh, didn't know where my mom was. That was another scary thing because she had fled. Um, uh, but she, she surfaced after a day. She had, um, think gone over to one of her cousin's house. So we reunited and, um, you know, went through everything involved with the funeral and, and stuff like that. And then it's crazy when, you know, someone passes away. Um, I know we've all experienced that in, in ways, you know, with, with a loved one. It's, there's, there's shock at first, you know, I don't even 
even know if I really necessarily cried um, for a while, just because you just don't, it's just, everything happens so fast. All of a sudden, there's all these plans, there's funeral, there's everyone coming around, you have all the support, you have all, all this stuff going on, you know. And then when that ends, it's just like, uh, so I go back to school, you know, yeah, right, yeah. You go back to class. Like, it's just, it's, it's really something. And so, um, I don't want to ramble on too much there. Yeah. I, I, that, that's the story and that's what happened. Um, and so I, I've spent a lot of time and thought about that. And I've had every emotion about that over the years. And it's been really, really hard for me to talk about that at times, but I try to a lot. Mm. And, um, so, so that, you know, it's always going to be tough, but it, me just sharing this right now was, you know, I, I, I thought <laughs> I didn't know what was going to happen in that story, you know. Um, so, so just just being open about sharing it and, and if people ask, you know, ha- has been really helpful for me. But that's a little bit about what happened, you know, in that mm-hmm. scenario. And, um, and you know, I'm sure we'll, we can talk further. I'll, I'll maybe stop and pause. I don't know if anyone wants to chime in on anything or, or yeah, want me to keep going or whatever. So, dude, I'm just I'm just blown away, man. Uh, that was, that was beautifully shared, dude. Like, I, um, I, I, you know, as you were sitting there talking and I was just trying to put myself in your shoes, like, you know, running up to the scene and, and looking around for your dad. And, um, man, I just, I can't imagine that. And, um, thank you for sharing that, man. Cause that's, um, I'm in awe, bro. Like, wow. Um, so what, 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 what did you do? So, you know, you said when you looked around and didn't know what to do, what, what did you do? Uh, went over and just hugged my sisters. Yeah. Yep. We did that in a three way hug for a while. And, um, you know, the officer came up, the, the detective or sheriff or whoever was, you know, working that case and had to introduce himself and, changed his information and went up and just shook his hand and, you know, thanked him for me. And I was still in shock. I wasn't crying. I, I went into instant, make sure my sisters are okay mode, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like all of the, I was just that, that's all it was. I knew something bad had just happened. It didn't hit me yet. So I was just doing the things I knew I needed to do to make sure they were okay. When the dust settled and, and all the stuff was over, and, you know, again, you were, you were looking around, you found yourself again in that spot. How, how have you made it to this point? Cause the way you put it across, man, it's like you've shared it a thousand times and you sounded so confident. So like, how did you get from telling the story the first time to now? What, what have you done in between? Just told the story. <laughs> mm, yeah. And thought, and thought, and thought about it, you know, and, and reflected. Reflected and processed emotions when they came up, and cried when that came up, and wow. um, just for just a lot of reflection and talking about, and huh. you know, it, unfortunately, it, it, I mean, it, it, you can put it practically, it's it practice, you know. Yeah. And yeah. if you want to think about it like that, but and, and then you know, further away it gets, it's still hard, but it gets easier. You yeah. still get caught with with certain emotions at times. Yeah. But but things do do over time and for me at least you know things have gotten easier within it's gotten easier to talk about man i, I really uh, applaud your strength man and in your story you just really are embodying what we 
our whole intention of the roundtable was, man, is for people to come on here and do exactly what you did, just did, man. Just get raw with people and, and share your light and um, bring people hope like you touched on. Like, hey, man, I'm not alone. I, there are other people going through these things and have experienced these things. So, man. You can, you can literally you. throw a rock to somebody that's going through the same, pretty much the same thing. I mean, as you were talking, John, I mean, it's, you know, my dad was, uh, was self-employed. Uh, my mom drove a bus for a while. I was like, wow, two relatives right there. Like, um, yeah, wow. you know, so that, that's amazing. I mean, you know, and it, and it wasn't necessarily the most awesome relationship as, as I grew up as a kid. Um, my dad didn't really talk about his feelings much. Um, another relative right there. Man, I just, as you talked, man, I just sat there and I was like, this just sounds so familiar. Um, well, I'm happy for that. I'm happy it does, man. I, like, man, it just, it, it does help so much to talk about. And I know I'm not alone, you know, in feelings. And even if someone didn't have something happen that was quite as intense or even more intense, like, you can never discount the toughest thing that someone's gone through or tough things they go through because, you know, the barometer or, or the benchmark for, for that feeling is different for everyone, you know? Right. Um, you know, so, yeah, man, I'm, I'm, I'm happy that it resonated with you. Every, everyone's hell is relative. You know, yep. it's, it's yeah. all, it's, you know, it's all in perspective. I, you know, my, for my sure. dad had it rough growing up. My mom had it rough growing up. Um, my mom's dad committed suicide when I was young. Um, I, I still to this day feel like I was there when it happened. I have this vision. He shot himself. Um, but like I had this vision that I was there that I was outside playing and like I went inside and to like use the bathroom or something. And then I came back outside and he was gone. So like that might be like my young mind. Cause I was only like three or four at the time, maybe even five that might be like my young mind trying to like piece, piece things together. together, like to try to yeah. make, have it make sense. So I'm not sure about that, but I know that it runs pretty prevalent in my family as well. Um, and there have been some times where it, it probably could have happened and, uh, and it didn't. Um, I mean, shit, even recently, um, uh, had a family member of mine post on Facebook that they were going to kill themselves. So it, Man. uh, it's, it's out there. It's in my family. I mean, even myself, um, you know, going through some shit when, when my dad left and I came back home to help my mom. And, um, I found myself in such a situation that I never dreamed would happen. Like, you know, my mom, again, this is just as a, always a preface, like this is no disrespect to anybody. This is just how it went. But, you know, my mom, um, fucking forget what I was talking about. I just go down the wrong path. Um, oh, yeah. So my mom, yeah, when my mom, uh, yeah, there it went. So, so my mom was at left with the, uh, with the shop um, that my dad had. And she tried to run it herself. And, and, you know, I tried to help her. And my sister definitely did, you know, a lot of the work too. And one day I found myself in the house with my mom and my sister and it was my mom's birthday and she was getting ready to have this big party. And that's amazing, right? But I never saw that as a kid. I never saw my mom party. Matter of fact, it was always my dad's drinking that was mo the most of the fights. Oh, 
So like I came home to try to help. I found my, you know, my mom's partying and I'm like, you know, that's all good. It was just the way I perceived it. And I found myself in the spot like, man, there's, there's nothing left for me to do. I don't necessarily want to kill myself, but I, I don't want to be here anymore. Like my whole life, I thought that this was the problem and now we're celebrating it. And what am I doing? Yep. And so I, you know, I looked out the window, like I, I lived with my mom at the time and I lived on the second floor and everybody was out partying and having a good time. And I thought the whole world was against me. And, uh, I was like, I could probably just jump out the window and nobody would know. Man. And I appreciate you sharing that. Because it felt like such a, it, it just felt so weird to me. And, yeah. and I was so lost at the time anyways. What kept you from not doing it? Um, the hope that life could get better. But what really kept me from doing it is the wake I would leave for everybody else. Yep. I knew that was going to create havoc. So that stopped me. And then the hope that life could be better helped me change. you made man that's yeah. a beautiful thing that that, that gets right back to the whole control thing and just you having that perspective and making it not about yourself you know saved you yeah yeah it was uh it was it was a really dark time um but you know just the the second i well the second i started changing things was was the time that it opened back up for me but yeah that was a. Uh, that was a dark moment. Um, but it's, it's, it's in my family. It's out there. It's a real thing. And I just, it's a, it's a really lost feeling when you get to that, when you get to that place, but you do have the choice. You do have the choice. Yeah, absolutely. To stay here. Do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. John, I have a couple questions for you, brother. Sure. Um, Going back to that message that your dad left, how long did you keep that message? Just for for experiencing the same thing, like I had a message that my dad, like the last voicemail that my dad left me that, yeah. you know, I kept until my phone number had to change because I was getting a new phone. Uh, yeah. so, so just curious, just a random curiosity. I, I might have listened to it twice, maybe three times. Yeah. Um, and that was it. Yeah. Uh, but it wasn't a, it wasn't a pleasant message. Right. You know? Right. And so I, I would call his number until his phone went off and listen to his voicemail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, however long, I forget how long that lasted until his phone was, you know, still disconnected phone, you know, all, all that stuff that has to happen. So it was probably a couple weeks, you know? Yeah. You know, I, I think your dad's story really ties into things we've talked about in the past as far as um, men and their emotions and sharing same with your, your parents or your dad sharing emotions. And I feel like a lot of men face that because we got to be so tough. And like you said, man, your dad was always like that happy, bubbly guy you would never, ever guess, you know. you And, it, and it's usually those people that you, you have no idea because they put on such a good front because – in their mind, they are good, but it's all bottled up, yeah, and, and with no avenues, you know. Yep. So, man, I think I think that 
those two stories really tie in beautifully to the importance of us men being there for each other to mm-hmm. listen and, and having trust in other men that you're not going to be judged. Like you, you talked about earlier in the episode, John, just creating that space because we need a lot of healing as men, yeah. as a collective, not us as individuals, but <clears throat> yeah, su- super powerful, super powerful, man. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, because I learned, like, get up and, like, walk it off method right. for yeah. me. Like, literally. Yeah, we all do that. <laughs> right. like, like, you aren't up earlier? Like, what's up? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's 10 o'clock. Why are you still sleeping, yeah. you bum? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. And, I mean, I, mean I, I still struggle with that at times, you know, just, like, making sure that I'm, I'm expressing how I feel and if I'm, I'm – you know, there's something going on, bringing it up to someone. I, I do a, I think I do a good job. I think I do a good job, yeah. you know. Um, but there's, over the years, there's been those times where, even if it's just something simple, like asking for help or something like that at work, like something that's just so trivial and doesn't matter, you know. Like, you know, some some little strategy or, or you know, tactic at work that, you know, would, would make the job easier, or, you know, bring more success. Like sometimes I, I'll get stubborn, you know, I mean, a lot of, a lot of dudes do, you know, yeah. you want to be able to say you did it on your own. Amen. Uh, so, uh, I, I totally get that. But I mean, you guys are absolute lights of it and, and have inspired me with, with that stuff and just getting them more vulnerable, you know, um, just seeing that message and, and hearing that and, I think even in the world we're living in right now, um, that it's becoming more prevalent, you know, yoga and meditation and, and all these things that we're seeing, uh, you know, come up in society and culture that just weren't, weren't around when we were little. Right. And I, I, it's been really inspiring to see that shift and, and see some attention being paid to like, Hey, like you're, you're allowed to be a bit vulnerable and, and that actually means that you're strong. Um, and, and it's going to make you even stronger. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still struggle. Yeah. Like when I first met Brittany, it was probably, I mean, that was what led to a lot of the toxicity was bottling everything up until it was, until I just couldn't anymore. And I exploded. And now it's, I still do it. Yeah. I find myself yeah, still doing it until I reach the point where I am starting to feel affected by it, like self-confidence wise. Like once it starts to actually make me feel like I've done something wrong. I immediately tell her, like, we'll have a conversation about it. I'm like, I'm sorry, you know, that I haven't, you know, I don't do this, blah, blah, blah. And I, I keep apologizing for it because I still do it. Right. I still will yeah. go several weeks or months feeling a certain way about something. And it's not until it's like, man, you are a piece of shit. And I'm like, oh, well, <laughs> no, you're not. Time, time, to, yeah. time to talk about it. No, you're not. No, you're not. <laughs> yeah. Dude, yeah. And, and the thing, like, there's a difference between the idea of ourselves and the reality of ourselves, right? Like that's true at an individual level and that's true at a cultural level and, and, a, and an entire human level. Like it, it, we, we always feel like we should be living up to some expectation that's right. set by us or, or something else, you know? Right. And I, it, I think it's just that uh, it's a, it's a mental shift, you know, like you just have to, and it's a tough one, but it's just something where you have to recalibrate and say, Hey, any progress towards this goal is good. Yeah. You know, it doesn't mean that I have to be here all the time. Like I struggle a lot with defensiveness still, you know, arguments where I don't want to admit that I'm wrong with Jess or someone else, 
you know, and that, I don't know if that's just like the need to be right, which comes from some insecurity or, or whatever, you know, but I still catch myself doing it. And it's on a freaking vision board that I have on, on my computer that I stare at every day, be less defensive. every day. I meditate in the morning about being less defensive. And I, I joked with Jessica the other day. I was like, oh, that uh, meditation's really working, huh? Like, <laughs> after a, a major argument, you know, so. <laughs> um, yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's a tough thing, but just, hey, progress is progress. And I think the more you, you pay attention to it and learn about it and learn ways to do it, then you're, you're slowly progressing, even if it doesn't feel like it. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. I think, I think it was Jay Z. Progress is success. I think that's, yep. I think he said it best there. Yeah. Any, any sort of progress is, is good, man. And, and I think even the, the joking about it is, is progress, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, after yeah. A, after an argument or something like that, even that would would be progress in my book. Yeah, instead of bottling it up. Yeah, 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 man, that's... for sure. I th- I think you're really I think it you're speaking to control a lot with what you're saying too, as far as kind of surrendering control. It, you know what I found in my journey is is when I have gained the most control is when I surrender my egoic control where. Uh-huh. I, where I create expectation and and all these extra weights for the situation through through my controlling and my perfectionism, but true control, manifestation control is really just having faith in yourself mm-hmm. and having faith that when you do good, you will get good in return if you're consistent. You know, just just like the meditation. You know, so that. That's kind of what I've experienced as far as control and, and when I have been able to kind of have the most control and just set intent and then have faith that it's going to manifest. So, yeah, man, I, I totally agree with that. You know, it's, it's control is a very broad, you know, it can be a, a bad thing and it can be the best thing ever, you know. And, right. um, you know, at our work, we have to talk a lot about just, hey, control what you can control and then just be okay with any outcome, you know, and as long as you try your best, like, it, it shouldn't matter, like, it, it's like this sub-tool, sub-tool, like, line between, like, really caring and just not giving a shit at what the outcome is, right? Yeah. you know, as, as long as you put in the right inputs and you feel good about what you did for that situation or towards some goal, then who cares what the outcome is? Right, yeah. Yeah. I think the ability to to adjust really helps that too. Like believing in your your own capability to shift direction, so you can't have faith that no matter what that outcome is, you'll be fine. You yeah. you can adapt. You know that the yep. strong don't survive. The the ones that can adapt get, do. You yeah. Know? yeah. And some say that is what makes you strong, but I, I always kind of like that saying because it's like, oh, the strong will survive. It's like no, the ones that can change because. Yeah. Stiff things and tight things snap and break a yeah. lot easier yeah. than soft things. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that's kind of been a lesson in my life to give me some perspective. Like, dude, you don't have to be a hard ass. Like you're you're creating you're becoming hard because all the weight you're putting on and compressing yourself into something hard. You know. Yeah. Um, totally. So I thought about uh, I thought about control today, and the first thing I thought of was a car accident. Has anyone ever been in a car accident? Several. Several. Yeah. Okay. So, like, you lose control, right? But for me, at least, from what I remember is I tensed up trying to take control Mm -hmm. when I was the most out of control. 
That's strange. I, I don't know. Something about that. I was like, trying hey, to create like, order from chaos. Exactly. Yes. Yes. There, that's exactly where it was going. I was like, hmm, that's an interesting thought. But you'd be the most safe by loosening. Yes. By loosening. That's why drunk drivers survive, man, because their muscles don't tense up. So you see them walk away from devastating accidents, and they're fine. Like, what happened? Because they're so limber, and they don't tense up at the impact. So their body can is malleable enough to to survive it, man. It's crazy. Obviously, today, years old when I figured that out. (laughs) I just saw the light bulb go off. Wow. Uh, So what you're saying is I should just drink and drive. (laughs) No. Uh, No. Don't do that. (laughs) Damn it, John. You're not going to be allowed to come back on it. This this message is not sponsored by us at the mountain. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. I'll do that anyone. Hey, I've learned to control my decisions when it comes to drinking and driving. So, um, yeah. Just don't drink. There you go. Yeah, that too. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, control. I like that. Though. Have you guys ever had control issues? Hi. Like in your life? I have control issues now. Oh, yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah. Like, is there something that's prevalent? Like, lack have of you... self control? Yeah. Not so lack aspects, and over control and then over control <laughs> everything control i'll take every some. kind of control <laughs> issue you can have i think i've got at least a little bit of it hmm. what do you think it stems from i don't know to be completely honest because i didn't have like a bad childhood there was i mean we've talked about it before, right right i, I don't want to yeah. get stagnant with it all but it was very mediocre everything you know there was no bearing down for my parents and there was no complete lack of any kind of guidelines or rules in the house so i mean it was a good middle ground i think i had a good childhood so i i I know it comes from somewhere but it's somewhere in that subconscious that's beyond my grasp right now for now now. it'll come to you brother it'll come to you what about you (laughs) ever had control issues oh you're pretty laid back guy yeah but i mean now yeah no (laughs) but but definitely man i had a, a lot of control issues um I don't know, man. I always think about the, uh, the very, like the very egoic side of me, like the, the, the women, the womanizer. No, oh, yeah. Like back in when I wasn't so calm. When you were controlling. Yeah. When I was controlling. Um, I wouldn't say I controlled women. I would say that. Yes, I did. <laughs> That's exactly what you said. <laughs> yes, I did. And, uh, I used manipulation and all kinds of other stuff. Absolutely. Right. And, uh, Back in those days, I thought I was the shit. And so if it didn't go my way, then like if I wasn't able to control the situation, then it was like, I didn't know what to do with myself. I'd go to the gym five, five or six times, like completely freak out. Like, yeah, you know, so, um, so I, I don't think it was ever that extreme, but you know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I know what you're saying for sure. But, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to think of one. I mean. I, I'm sure if I had a lot of money, I'd have control issues with money for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but would you, or would you be more free with money if you had a lot abundance of it? Like just that's what I'm saying though. I wouldn't be able to control it. I just, oh, I'd just some, yeah, okay. Just, so lack of control. Yeah. Like I'd just you. be like, here you guys do like, uh, yeah, man, I've experienced that reality. <sighs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I would say probably with the fixed amount that I have, to to work off right now i have control issues with spending money yeah yeah for sure like i just watch where the money goes i don't really spend much money on myself um 
but yeah, if that's, I guess if that's an issue. No, no, no that's not an issue. I think it's being responsible, bro. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I'm just really searching for something, but I'm pretty laid back these days. So yeah, I would I say that. I think you're a pretty cool cat. I would say that like my, <laughs> my, like the growth though, over the, over the years between those two periods. Letting go of is, the control. Yeah. Letting go. Of and control. taking control of your mind. Yeah. 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 I got you. And, and taking, that's good. Yeah. yeah. Eckhart Tolle was somebody that taught me a lot about letting go of control. Yeah. And you as well. Yeah. Thank you, brother. But he taught me like, you know, just now, like that's the only thing that you have. So right. you think you can control the next five minutes, but you can't. Right. And then you definitely cannot control the past. Right. So letting go of control is, although I can't find an exact example right now, <laughs> right. it's something that I struggle with, man. It's yeah. like when things don't like go my way or whatever the planned destination is, it's like it, it knocks me off my path a little bit. I'm getting yeah. better at it, but it does. So, yeah, I, I think that's my biggest one is creating expectation and then getting so stuck on one outcome that when it doesn't happen or varies just the slightest, I'm like, oh, fuck it. Yeah. It wasn't even worth it. Yeah. I don't even want to do it. Why did I even start? I don't. Yep. Sorry. Yeah. And then it really can. And it's more angry than that. It's not just like, well, well, never mind. It's more like, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that and then the mind's like, well, fucking should I even be here at all? Like, yeah. You know? Like, yeah. There's, I think there's that's a valid goes. point, man. And it kind of speaks to the beginning of the episode too, is like, as a man, I channeled my depression as anger. Mm -hmm. Like when I was depressed yeah. and down on my life, it was, I was angry. Yeah. Yep. Nobody knew how sad I was. I didn't even know how sad I was. Yeah. I was just angry, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But really once I started doing some soul searching and getting raw with myself, it's like, dude, you're an angry, pessimistic motherfucker. Mm -hmm. Like, wow, dude, you need to do something <laughs> i don't know what it is but you got to do something and actually beautiful non-choreographed tie into uh kind of how me and big john uh how you inspired me to take that leap of faith and surrender control into something that i was totally not for uh, oh, with james's yeah. program man yeah and uh man i did that's beautiful how that just tied in but man you and I've told you this, but for our audience, John was the sole reason that I joined James' program. Uh, so James put out this program. Uh, it was in 2014, the first time he approached me about it, the Awakening the War Spirit. And I was still in the military. And I'm like, um, no, I don't. Have, I don't, you know, it's, it wasn't up my alley. I was living the complete opposite life of the free spirit. And, um, soul being that James is, you know, I wasn't, it did, I didn't even respond. Um, and then he relaunched the program and I saw it and I saw him start to do live videos. I'm like, Oh, that's cool. This dude's, he knows the shit. You know, I, I did watch his live videos. And, uh, then I saw John's video and the way you spoke about how you were and how you viewed things and how you can like argumentative and, gave 80% of yourself and uh, always, you know, work smarter, not harder when, you know, there's a balance of working hard too, you know, um, that really just inspired me because it sounded, your message, John, sounded like me talking to myself. I'm like, holy shit. It just smacked me and I didn't even know. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, I think I'm going to do this program. And that was kind of the beginning of my journey, man. So, That's uh, awesome, man. 
thank you for sharing and being vulnerable. And here we are full circle sharing on, on the podcast, man. That's uh who makes me it's feel been, good. It's, it's been a good few years. That's for sure, man. And I, I'm, I'm so happy that that had that impact on you. And, um, you know, I, it was, like you said, it was nothing that was choreographed. It was nothing that was rehearsed. He told me to put a video up. I hit play and I just started talking and, you know, said why I thought it would be a good program for me and whatever came out, came out. And you know, I just threw it up. And I think that was the first, uh, first video I think I had ever even posted on social media. You know, I wasn't like a big user of social media or anything. Right. Um, but Jimmy's my brother, man. And, and right. he's my best friend. And I saw how much time and energy he was putting to get this thing up and off the ground. And I knew that he needed, uh, people to, to go in on it, uh, to, to just spread some word of mouth marketing and everything like that. So I had all that in mind, um, you know, when I went into doing the video. Um, but then once I started talking, like all of a sudden that was just, it was almost like an epiphany for me when right. I started talking, you know, like yeah. I went into it like, okay, I need to like say some shit that sounds good to get people to sign up for Jimmy's program. And, you know, I was just trying to help a brother out. And then as I was like talking, I was like, like, you know, I think I was trying to make it like one or two minutes, you know, and it was like this five or eight minutes. And I was subconscious started talking. Here's your opportunity. Subconscious overpower him. Yeah. Yeah. And just, I mean, like, man, talk about like powerful self-talk, you know, but like, yeah, that, that opened my eyes and, and, and got me real bought into all that as well. Um, and it's just, it's been a very inspiring journey to, to go through that with, with you and Eric and, um, just, just the impact that it's had on our lives. Yeah. Uh, and yours too, man, like you were saying, like you, you know, you know, you, we know you, you're going to, you're going to talk about some shit every day, no matter what it is. Right. And, and, you know, before that just happened to be some negative stuff, you know, coming from a dark place and now it's, it's just, so far on the other other end of the spectrum and I just see the people that you're inspiring on social media and that you guys are inspiring on this podcast and Eric your videos and fucking Jeremy going out and, and getting these dudes with 500,000 followers to come on your own new podcast like it's <laughs> so. just like it's like my god man like this is amazing and um, you know even even to have my small part in that of, of getting you on board you know it just that means so much to me that Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. And, and another beautiful part about that is, um, so you are in a couple layers of my epiphany moments and you've been uh, right by my side kind of along the way. But John and I went to Costa Rica and that was the week that really blew me open. Like the program was great and it, it got me asking the questions, but to go experience a totally different reality than I was accustomed to as a police officer in the military, this free spirited music festival where everybody loves each other and they're from all over the world. It's like, what the fuck? You know? <laughs> so, um, really, really beautiful time that, that week down in Costa Rica when we went to envision the first time, man. Couldn't agree more. I don't think anyone had a better time than you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And it was just like, man, guys, if, if, if you could have seen this transformation, like, and this isn't even just like me saying it because I'm your friend or you saying it because it happened to you. Like, when I was down in Costa Rica just a couple weeks ago, like, Joe still talks about that. 
everyone down there is just like, dude, there's been no one that has gotten more out of an Envision Festival than Chad, you know, yeah. and, and just going from, like you said, kind of closed off on the first evening saying that you weren't going to, you know, participate in any, any of the, the things that are offered there and just all the stuff to, you know, your encounter with that, I believe you said that, that girl who took you over to the painting wall and, yeah, and kind of just dove into your soul and, yeah. And then, yeah, just hearing you scream yeah at the top of your lungs from the other side of the <laughs> stage and knowing exactly what that yell was, it was it was a great thing to hear. <laughs> man, that um, that reflection makes me feel really good, man, because it was um, unlike anything I experienced. And Eric was here when I came back, and yeah. I remember just the way he looked at me the first time. I was, he was like, dude, you are glowing. Yeah. I was like, I don't know how I couldn't be. Yeah. You know, I just had experienced this euphoric reality of just openness and love and all my judgment, all of my negativity, all of my doubt in God and greater in the spirit world was washed away in one swoop of a week, man. And it's, um, it was powerful, man. Really, really, really powerful. For so, sure, man. Very happy to have been a part of that with you. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when I was taking people to the twelve foot tall speakers and like just <laughs> close your eyes and tune out the music and just feel the vibration <laughs> of these oh, yeah. speakers? Like tune everything out and the amount of people that would do it and look over at me like a deer in headlights. Like holy shit, that is cool as hell. Like I would never <laughs> yeah. think to do that. Like. I probably took 50 to 60 people up to the speaker, just like random people I saw in there doing their thing, like, come with me real quick. Like, we're just going up to the speaker because some of them would be like, what? I'm, right I'm, I don't know you. I'm not yeah. going anywhere with you. Yeah, I think your course of action was like if you were walking by someone, you would, you would call them over, tell them you loved them, hug them for about two straight minutes, the biggest bear hug ever, and then walk them over to the speaker. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> if someone was in your vicinity, that's what was happening. Oh, that's good. Oh man, what what an amazing time, um, John. I know this is kind of spur of the moment. You have to answer, but I haven't really talked to you since we're starting to lay the groundwork. Um, I may have mentioned it, but going down to Costa Rica for a medicine ceremony. I know you just got back from Costa Rica, so it may be a stretch, but um, the invitation is there to uh, join Eric and I, and hopefully Jeremy, and uh, go sit with Mother Ayahuasca and do some soul searching and. For me, I really consider James a spiritual mentor of mine more than anything, you know, outside of a brother, but like a spiritual mentor, uh, somebody that I can reflect with spiritually. So going to Costa Rica is kind of like my spiritual Mecca, like voyage, if you yeah. will, you know, my Your spiritual. Pilgrimage. Yeah, that's that's what I was looking for, not Mecca. Um, yeah, so totally. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we sat with the medicine when I was down there a couple of weeks ago again, and it was a beautiful experience as, as always. And, um, if I can make that happen, I would absolutely love to be there. Nice brother. So speaking of that, what, ha what role has plant medicine played in coping with your father, if any? Um, <clears throat> I, I think it, it, it told me a story that, I, I, I'm in a good place with it. Mm. Um, and, uh, I've also gotten taken to, to a dark place on an occasion. I remember, um, you know, eating, uh, psychedelic mushrooms, yeah. um, down in, down in Costa Rica. 
kind of unintentionally, you know, it was kind of supposed to be around a campfire and it, I just ended up kind of really, really going into, into some darkness there. Not, not darkness, but just got, got to some areas. I, I got to my dad and, you know, everything like that. And, mm-hmm. Um, but I woke up from that experience feeling very light and like, I, like I, I had really kind of overcome maybe any, any remnant of what was left there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember going into my first, uh, you know, ayahuasca ceremony, and this was five years ago or so. Um, and I, you know, it, it's hard to know what it's going to be like at first, and you, and you never know what it's going to even be like the next time you do it, even if you've done it a million times. That's, mm-hmm. that's the more I learn about this, you know. Um, but you know, I I, I was fucking scared. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what's about to get brought up, you know? And and so I I tried to focus on a couple of intentions that maybe were a little bit lighter, and then I just said, well, hey, like if it's going to take me there, it's going to take Yeah, those experiences can be really painful. Did you, in that dark experience, did you experience any purging? Uh, is, it, is that what made you feel light? Or, you know, if, if you care to divulge, if not, I understand. Yeah, but. yeah. I mean, I, uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 uh, I don't, uh, um, I never throw up. I never throw up. Uh, okay. I, I, I've never even thrown up for as much, you know, Alcohol. Much, the most I've ever drank other than, you know, I think uh, when we were seniors and we had a bottle of Ice 101 with Keith Pick over at his grandparents. You know? I was there um, and I puked too. <laughs> I, I threw up that night. But since then, it really hasn't happened. So in, in, with any medicines, that hasn't happened. You know, I, I had to purge. You know, I had to take poops, you know. Yeah. Um, and so that, that was definitely going down, you know, through the night. And, you know, the, the darkest part of that night was just kind of like literally feeling like I was on the edge of death. Like if I let go too much control, control, here you go, uh, like in that moment and like relaxed too much, then I was crossing the line into being dead. You know, like it, it really took me to, to that line, yeah. um, which was just nuts. And uh, so that that was the more scary part of that. Yeah. Um, but 
yeah, there there was other than just you know having to use the restroom, right. you know that there wasn't any other parking. Yeah, yeah, I think that's one thing that's really um, can be terrifying is letting go of control completely, and I think that's what scares a lot of people away from really getting raw with with plant medicines and and I think that fear of the unknown, like what could this possibly bring up? I know there's shit in there because I'm unhappy or I'm anxious or, you know. What do we talk about every time we talk about anything? I mean, right. I don't know where it comes from. I don't know where it comes from. It's what I say for everything. Yeah. But I'm sure there's something there. But I don't. There is. So, yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is the number one fear going into Costa Rica or any talk of it is, fuck, man, what's going to come out? Right. Yeah, and you do. You have to let go of a level of control and just be cool with maybe having like a a a, a, a hard experience, you yeah. know. And and that is the mental difference. And I, if there's anything that my my dad's experience has has taught me, it's, it's I'm I'm a very go with the flow person, you know. Yeah. Now, and I kind of was before, but I'm I'm very much so like roll with the punches. Um, hey, let you know. I'll, I'll be a yes man on, on certain, you know, trying certain things out. And, you know, I just feel confident in my headspace that like, no matter what goes down, I know I'm, I know it, I know it's kind of controlling it in, in a way. So it's a weird balance, but it's like, I am going to be, I should say, I'm going to be able to handle it. You know, I just know going in, I'm going to be able to handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, it's been, that, that, that can be a scary thing to a lot of people. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. You talked about moving down uh, away from your mom. Can Do you want to touch? So do you care to touch on your move to Florida and kind of the circumstances around uh, that? Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was a, another crazy, you know, life moment that just what, what a blessing it ended up being. But, um, you know, I, I'm very close to my family. A lot of my family lives uh Within a certain radius, you know, in three or four towns up, up in, you know, Lebanon, Middletown, o, o, uh, Monroe, Franklin, all that area. Um, you know, it, it was just a tough thing for me to picture myself over leaving, but I was engaged at the time. Um, my, uh, now ex fiance had some family that lived down here. And, you know, over the course of our relationship, that, that bug was always being put in my ear that we, you know, we should move to Tampa, we should move to Tampa. And, um, this was a few years, this was four ish years after that ayahuasca experience, you know, yeah. where, where the ayahuasca experience told me just stick around for a few more years. I said, Hey, stay here now. You can always go do vacation, stuff like that. But for now, like you're in a good spot. Fast forward four years later, this happens. Wheels get set in motion. I agree to it. Uh, relationships terrible. It's getting rockier by the day. We're in therapy. It's not working. We're, we're just, it's just not healthy for either of us. Um, was not the right relationship to be in from the start, probably. Things moved a little too quick. But, um, you know, long story short, those wheels were set in motion and, and I called my work and transferred and, and, you know, we, we were going to go, we were moving. It was happening. <laughs> and, and things were the most rocky they had been. The, the couple of days before leaving and there were a couple of people that talked to me that, that really, um, helped, helped me out here, uh, because I, I had a lot of bad feelings about leaving my family for a relationship that just was, it just was not good. Um, we were already deep into wedding planning and it just all the bad things. Um, one was my sister, uh, Allison, 
you know, she wanted to go have a beer with me at, uh, what the bar was called in Lebanon and just was like, kind of grilled me like, dude, what, what are you doing? You got to think about this. Like your mentality is not right. Like you're just saying like, Hey, like, you know, if it's going to be like this, like, you know, just, just fuck it. Well, you know, I'll just deal with it or put up with it. Like this stuff where she's just like, Hey, like this isn't going to lead you to a good place. Like I can see that you've changed. You know what happened to dad, <laughs> Yeah. you know, and at a relationship where they were, it wasn't maybe the greatest at all times. They loved each other, but maybe it wasn't the greatest at all times. Right. Uh, so that helped, uh, talking to my mom helped, uh, as well. Um, I'll, I'll take her, you know, cause she, she was the one that ultimately made me feel good about making a decision. But the other one was you, Chad. Um, you know, of all, all the friends, you know, that I have, there, there wasn't too many folks that, that spoke up and, you know, even though they could see on my face and my demeanor, uh, how I was acting, that like this was something that I just didn't seem excited about. Like I would hear from work that, you know, people were like, Hey, are you actually excited about, you know? And I'm like, fuck man, am I really showing it that much? You know? <laughs> um, and, and we ate at Hooters. We went to Hooters. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, I think that's the first time I've ever been to Hooters. Um, <laughs> and, and you, and you called it out, man. And dude, I would hug you through this fucking microphone right now. <laughs> like, I think about that all the time. Like, you just were the one to have the tough conversation. And that's where tons of growth comes from in life is having tough conversations with people that, that it might be uncomfortable having them with. Yeah. And you fucking did it. And, and that really shifted my mind. I went and talked to my mom the same day. My shit was packed in my car and I couldn't leave, couldn't make myself leave. So I told my mom, let's go grab some food. And she did, you know, she said, Hey, at least before you move down, like call things off, postpone something, do something like, you know, you're not in a good spot. And, uh, and so long story short, I did, you know, on, on, when I got down, I, I said, I wanted to postpone, you know, the wedding at least, which I know is just a bitch out for saying that I did just wanted the relationship to end. And, and about two weeks later, I just came, came clean with it and just said, Hey, you know, I, I'm done. Like I, I can't do this. And, um, and then I had to live with her for two and a half more months. Cause we just <laughs> to leave together. So, that was fucking, that was awesome. Wow. <laughs> and, and so, so you lived with her for happened. two and a half months after you told her that after. Wow. After. Ooh, yeah. Man. So two bedroom apartment. Thank God it was two bedroom. Right. And, uh, like, we didn't have shit in the place because, like, I knew she was going to be moving out. I wasn't about, I knew I was going to move to a smaller unit. So, and I was like, just, look, I was broke. I had spent a bunch of money moving both of us down. I had spent a bunch of money getting out of the wedding commitments I had made, like, all this stuff. Mm. And so I, like, didn't have furniture for a couple months. I just, like, chilled on my bed, like, just all this stuff. Like, it was just this big transition. But I was like, hey, fuck it. I'm down here. I'm going to stay in Tampa. And, and when, uh, when everything ended, I, the relationship was over six months prior. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that decision sure. just wasn't made. So yeah. when it was open, it was just the biggest, biggest weight off the chest. I had never felt such a weight off the chest because mm. I had never been so far off my path before. Ever. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, and, and that decision just, Oh my God. So I, I was ready to get out there. I didn't know anyone in Tampa, you know, uh, other than people at work who I just barely knew. I have uh, my one of my dad's brothers was down here, so I was able to reconnect with him. So, 
but I was ready to date. You know, I was like, I want to have like a good time with a girl, you know, like, <laughs> and, uh, and so I hopped on a dating site and I went on two dates. One was a girl that, it, you know, I didn't go on another date with. And the second one was Jessica. And, and here we are, you know, two and a half, a little bit more than two years later, living together, engaged on a, on a, on a absolute beautiful path. And we argue, but man, we, here and there, you know, everyone does. But man, the love that I have for her and that she has for me and just the feeling of rightness, Mm. you know, and it's just like, that's what, it's so crazy, like, with my dad, with my other relationship, you never know what's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. Right. You know, um, who, who's to really say, um, there's a, there's a book I just read called Positive Intelligence, and there's a story, a Chinese proverb, uh, about, about that, that, about a stallion, and, you know, it's like this champion, stallion horse that wins this big race guys neighbors come over and uh congratulate him hey it's awesome and you know he goes well who really knows what's good or bad and they look kind of confused you know (laughs) and then the next week they uh the horse gets stolen because it won and it's worth a bunch of money someone some people came and stole it and they came over to to console them you know and Again, weirdly, he was like, well, who really knows what's good or bad, yeah. right? So the next week, it comes back, and, and it comes running back with a couple of new mares, a couple of new horses, and so that's a good thing, right? So yeah. they come over, same same response. Well, all of a sudden, his son tries to break one of the mares, and he breaks his arm doing it. Same response. Because then the next week, the army comes, but they can't conscript him because he has a broken arm. And the story just keeps going, right? Yeah. So you never know what's going to be a good thing or a bad thing. And, uh, and it's just, I've been blessed, uh, to, to trust these processes and trust these, that these situations will get better. And, and they've led to some of the, the most, um, just rewarding parts of, of my life, you know, in general. And, you know, I think with, with the relationship, obviously with the Jessica and with my dad's thing, it, it, it was to my outlook and to how strong my, the rest of my family grew and how close me and my mom and sisters are. And, being able to share my story uh, like this and hopefully impact people uh, because of it and and have people relate to it, you know. Um, and, and there's just there's a lot of good that came from that. There's even a lot of good that came from my dad getting out of the, the headspace that he was in from it. You know, as much as I miss him, you know, there's it's a blessing that that he that maybe in a way that he got got himself out of that person that he was becoming. So, yeah. um, you know, it, 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 it's hard to say. It's hard to say what what's going to end up being good or bad, and just, we're just really fortunate. Yeah, that's good, man. Yeah, man, it, it's really it's good. like you guys talked about choice earlier. It's really just the perspective you want to adopt on it, you know. Yeah. Really, yeah. Totally. So, man, I, I'm super proud of you, man. What a tough decision to drive down there <laughs> to Florida. And be like, yeah, sorry, um, but to kind of go back on that, it was. It was a collective thing. We, I had talked with several people that were important in your life, James, your sister, um, and just kind of shared with them and they can kind of confirmed with me like, yeah, you should say something. So that was kind of where I was at. It wasn't just, and that's kind of, it started off in my head, obviously. 
and I kept it quiet for so long because I just didn't want to seem like the old pessimistic Chad. Like, I don't know if this is good. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, shut up, Chad. You're a dickhead. <laughs> yeah. You grumpy bastard. Someone. Yeah. Right, right. Try to control John's life. Leave him be. Um, but man, it, it, I, what really set it off was when we all had gone to the casino. It just, the interaction was, it wasn't good or bad, like you said, but it just, there, there wasn't a connection there. I, I could just yeah. sense it between you two. And it was a special day. I think it was your birthday or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was my birthday. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it just, it just seemed off. And your sister and James and I kind of talked about it because we love you. And I think that's, it's so important to have those conversations, like John said, no matter who it is and how uncomfortable it is, because it, as John is a testament, it can change the whole trajectory of someone's life. Yep. Because they just need to know they're not the only one feeling that way. Yeah. You know, and, and John's reality ultimately doesn't affect mine, but somebody you love, you want to hold them accountable if you see them off their path. Like, hey, bro, I know you better than that. <laughs> like, that, yeah. I, I, and I love you, and I, I want to see you on your path. And, and I just felt that it wasn't it. And man, I'm so proud of you, dude. That even after having those conversations, to actually pull the plug and just not go through with it, that's still take, dude. Yep. You got a wheelbarrow for those balls, man. Absolutely. <laughs> especially, especially going down there like broke, like, fuck, I just invested all my money in this relationship. Now I'm pulling the plug. You knew, man. Yeah. You knew and you trusted it. For sure. Yeah, man. For sure. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. You'll, you'll never know. That, that'll mean something to me the rest of my life. And I, and I know it wasn't just you, uh, like you said, but, but you're the one that said it and, and it meant the world to me. Awesome, brother. I love you, man. It's it's been it's been an awesome journey with you, and so grateful that you are at the round table sharing your authentic light, man. Because it's beautiful. Yeah. And to be honest yeah. with you, throughout our life, you have you're always a quiet kind of listener. Take a wise crack at at the conversation when you have a witty input. Yep. So so getting deep and raw with you is uh, always a pleasure, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. That that that. Uh that has been a thing I've noticed, you know, I, I am more of a sit back and listen and chime in with something funny or, or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like that, that kind of restrict, you know, it's restricting too, because people don't get to know you as much. And so, you know, being yeah. asked to come on this was, was awesome just to be able to have those conversations and you know, I've been even trying to do more stuff on social media, you know, yeah. to see you shine man um but i i don't i don't think it always is is a bad thing to be more quiet see i'm the complete opposite as you guys <laughs> as you guys know, typically like, I, quiet <laughs> i like to what? talk so it's good that i have guys around me that like to listen <laughs> i think it's i think it's just being a chameleon and just and adjusting yeah right for sure yeah. adjusting to your situation balancing letting go of control boom yeah. boom being you just being beautiful. That's right. Man, what a wonderful episode. Yep. I have I have one last thing. Yeah. So this was if you're 
you know, open for, for talking about this and closing on this, John, um, just the unique perspective of being somebody who had just had their first child and being in the place that I was in and, you know, wanting to, not necessarily wanting to, but not knowing how I was going to get out of the darkness that I was in and my thoughts of suicide. I don't really know what it was that stopped me. I mean, ultimately just wanting to be there for my daughter, I guess, but, but that was about it. I didn't really have any other justification. I was still very close to actually, you know, going through with something. And I don't know, just with having you on, do you have anything that you would say to somebody that might be struggling or fighting that darkness now? And just the perspective of somebody who's had to live with it their whole life and and carry that. Man. um, I don't know if there's a, appreciate you saying that and that, that, that's a deep question and I think that everyone you know needs to, to take an inward look and, and there can be different steps for everyone but you know it's funny I'll, I'm going to highlight my, my sister for this one because um, I had talked with her yesterday to get clearance on this and you know I asked her her input because I know that she's been through a lot with our situation too and I know that she's learned some good lessons um, you know from that and I said hey would, would you want me to share any of your input or things that you've learned and if so just shoot it over to me and she did you know uh and i was hoping i'd get to share this that's a great a great uh thing to end on um because her answers speak directly to this so um she gave me five things so i'll give you those five things i'm not going to fear a a single word from what she said because i i think that they were really powerful so if, if someone's in that situation you know the first thing that she says and i totally agree with is just to normalize the idea that it's okay not to be okay. Um, Amen. You know, I think that a lot of people can, can just like I was saying, the, the idea of what they should be versus the reality, and they think there's a major gap, and it's not okay until they get to the, to the idea of who they want to be. Um, also, just normalizing the idea that asking for help makes you stronger, not weaker. Uh, whether that just be a close friend, someone you're comfortable bringing it up to, or, or a professional. Uh, you know, a therapist, a uh, helpline, you know, whatever it may be, just, just taking that step to actually to make a call, to reach out to someone, to have someone listen to you. Um, <clears throat> one of the more powerful things that, that, you know, she said too was just fighting to find a group or a circle of people who want good things for you. Right? Like, mm-hmm. it, you, there's a bunch of sayings out there like, you know, you're, you're a, a result of the five people you hang around the most and, you know, all that stuff, right? And that, there's a lot of truth to that. So just finding a group of people who, who are going to support, you know, you getting out of that situation and they, and they want good things for you. Um, and then along the way, back to what we were talking about before, about, you know, if you, the control piece of it, you don't reach some goal, you're, you're pissed about it or, and you're, 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 always a failure and you're never good enough is just giving yourself grace. Mm-hmm. Give yourself grace. Realize you're not ever going to be perfect. Realize you might always deal with some level of, of bad mood or depression or, or anything, but that you have the control to switch your mindset over to something else by talking to someone, by meditating, by thinking of something positive. There's tons of tactics out there you know, at your disposal, but you just have to give yourself the grace to fail and to, and to get back up and do it again. Right. 
Yeah. And then in the world we live in, you can't discount this one. Don't compare yourself to other people, especially on social media. <laughs> especially, you know, people people put put the highlights of their life on there, right? Um, and, and who knows what they're dealing with. And, and so just, it, it, it can't be that you're less successful than this other person or whatever. It's like, hey, you got a little bit better today, and that, and that is a win. Hey, you got a little bit worse today, and that's cool because that's going to happen, right? You made it back up the next day because you talked to your good circle of friends. Like it's just all those things, right? Um, the work you are, if, if you are your only support system and your only support system is mainly your negative self-talk talk, you've already failed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one speaks a lot to where I was at just with moving around the country and then leaving Virginia and coming back home and being away from my daughter and essentially the only support that I had. And I, I had more, I don't want to make my ex-wife's family, you know, seem to be <laughs> these fucking yeah. assholes or anything. Any one of them I'm sure would have helped if I had reached out and said I was struggling with the, the divorce and not being with my daughter and, and all the stuff that I was yeah. feeling and struggling to find a home and living in my car for a while and everything else that if I had said something and not just tried to right. say, I have to get myself out of the situation for my daughter and, I'll do whatever it takes. And I just kept failing and failing and failing and getting buried in all of that. If I would have reached out, I'm sure they would have, they would have helped, but, um, yeah, yeah, man. that's exactly and, where I was and, at. Yeah, man. And, and I would just never discount that it's a tough thing to like, you know, I, I never want to say anything to, to minimize someone's struggle. And I don't even understand everyone, someone's struggle who maybe went through the same thing that I went through. Everyone perceives things and reacts to things differently. And, and, you know, you, you should never minimize those feelings either, and, and you should never feel like it should be easy to get out of. You know, but but the the, the trick is just not giving up. Absolutely, absolutely. And be be mindful of your circle. Mm-hmm. Like how, pay attention to how you're they're acting. You know, don't just be like, oh, hey, what's up, and kind of scatterbrain with the not being in the present moment with the person, so you can't really tap into how they feel because. Words can sometimes be empty, you know, energy speaks volumes that we kind of push to the wayside because we can't measure with our five senses, but it's a powerful thing. So tuning into that circle and seeing it, even if that person doesn't want to come forward, I think it's a very powerful part of being mindful and being aware of yourself because you recognize that energy within yourself Mm -hmm. and that's how you can put a finger on it. Mm -hmm. So that's how becoming self-aware then turns into uh, being able to hold people accountable to their true emotions and not what they say to you. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, also just to add real quick, I think, you know, uh, Eric, you said something super powerful too. That's, that's another thing is just not making it about yourself. You know, yeah, yeah. make it about the other people. Like Eric, Eric had concern for the other people in his life of, of the ramifications of an action like that. So he made it not about himself, you know, and doing that and, and that, that got him out of it. So, you know, whether, whether that means for someone like your daughter or someone, you know, in your life physically or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your God or whoever, you know, you, you reach out to from a spiritual perspective, just, just make your life, you know, about others. Yeah. Mm. Amen. Wow. It's a beautiful yeah. tie in, brother. Service to others is where life has changed for me. For sure. Yeah. 
I think that's where we're kind of all three out with the social media. You mm-hmm. know, it's not about the likes, but like genuinely putting smile on people's faces or like giving them that spark. Like, oh man, okay, let's go. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, ultimately, I don't think we're any of us are trying to build a career out of being an influencer on social media. <laughs> no. it, it's just yeah. like that, that one on one inter like authentic interaction. Like, man, thank you for that spark or thank you for that perspective or thank you for whatever the fuck you're offering on your. On your feed, yeah, so. for sure. Especially when you, know, you scroll through a lot of you know, you see more a lot of negative stuff and everything like that. So if someone can see that little glimmer of positivity, that goes a long way. For you guys. Yeah, yeah. And, and and I challenge you if you see a lot of negativity to delete all the people that post negative shit, even if they're people you see in your physical life. Mm-hmm. Delete that shit <laughs> and fill it with positive people, positive messages. Yeah. It doesn't even have. To, my thing is always the message, not the messenger. So it, it doesn't yep. matter who you are. If you're putting out a positive message, let's be friends. Let's go. Yeah. You know, let's build. Let's influence and plant seeds of of light so we can heal and get out of this mess. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because not that my newsfeed was necessarily dark, but it was mostly bullshit. Just stupidity. Yeah. Yeah. And then the more and more as I add Chad and Eric and yeah. John and James and Joe and right. Shane and like my newsfeed has just completely changed. I don't see anything much except for your guys' posts now. Yeah. And John's just kind of popped up like two days after I was like, yeah. well, you had said something about John and told yeah. one of the stories. I was like, dude, that would be someone to have on. Yeah. And then two days later, his post started popping up like every day. Been posting good And then ones. it was just like, you're a funny man, Walton. Yeah. I get John on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I get some things good in my head. I'm like, yeah. There's some of them I'm just like, this is going to be funny as fuck. I got to post this. <laughs> <laughs> some, of them, some of them fall flat on their face. I'm like, oh, I guess I just thought that was funny. <laughs> it's probably just the algorithms. People are just not seeing it. because you, cause yeah, totally. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> I don't fall flat on my face. <laughs> There's no floor in the digital space. It's cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, I love you, fellas. What what a beautiful evening, man. I love podcast night. Yep, my favorite. Yeah, John, anytime. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Anytime you have an uplifting story or message or topic that you want to uh, expand and have conversation on, man, just let one of us know and you come to the round table and let's talk, brother. Well, I'm a, I'm a challenge. Totally, man. You got to come back uh, on sometime in like the next three months where I don't fuck up and leave the wire at home. Uh, <laughs> let's do it. I think Let's this is going to work, man. I feel really good about this. I feel really We're good about this. We're still recording, so, I mean, that that's a plus. Right. So, red, so, red Dot's been on the whole time. Red Dot, yeah. yeah. So, John, I've got you just on speaker with a uh, shirt and some gloves, like, propped you up next to my microphone so the speaker would pick up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, a uh, little ingenuity. I think it's, I feel good I like about it, it though. Yeah. I feel good about it. Yeah. Just let go of control. Good or bad, right? Like, right. It wasn't good or bad. And this watch is going to be great quality. Uh, now we're going to know how to do everyone. <laughs> right. <laughs> Screw the cord. We don't we'll need it. We'll just... Because no, every time we use the cord, there's certain parts where Jordan got like cut out or muffled. Right. Same thing with Shane and everybody else. And right. Well, I haven't heard that one time with John. It's just going to be Here we go. It's be perfect. Here we go. Here we go. Man, let go of control and beautiful things happen. John, thank you, Thanks, brother. Bro. Appreciate Man. you. I love you, man. It's been a pleasure walking by your side on this journey and so grateful you came to the round table for uh, a little sharing of your authentic light, man. So such a beautiful one. I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you guys.
guys as well. It's been a true pleasure, and, and man, it, it meant a lot. Definitely did. Thanks so much for reaching out, and super happy that I did it. Super, super happy for you guys, and just where, where it seems like this thing's going, and just the, the authenticity that you have with it, and just really excited to see where it goes for, for all three of you. Thank you. Thanks, Absolutely, man. brother. You're always a member at the round table, so all of yep. us, you included, brother. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Absolutely, brother. We love you. All of you listening, we are so grateful you joined us on another wonderful episode of Lights at the Roundtable, talking about control, talking to John Walton about his beautiful story of triumph over uh, mental darkness and, and suicide in his life, and Dixon touched on suicide in his life, and Jeremy shared his personal story as well, and beautiful, beautiful to see men getting raw and, and saying, hey, I was I was right rock bottom, yep. you know. I forgot how to climb. Yeah. Um, man, it's super powerful. So thank you guys yeah. for being vulnerable and sharing. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Yeah. So that's a wrap at the round table. <laughs>